found my purpose in life, which is to educate people. And because we live in such a beautiful planet and I like honestly like seeing our planet destroyed because of us Mm. is the most horrible thing that I've ever experienced and now to see like my steps are having like visible impacts it's honestly amazing yeah I like I, I don't have words to describe it Hi everyone, I'm Nikki Brigger and welcome to the latest edition of Finding Fearless with Murray Claire. This series is all about telling the stories of inspiring women who are living their lives with great passion. Now, this month at Murray Claire, we've joined forces with Aussie women and girls who are committed to saving the planet, especially our beautiful coastline. Each year, 8 million tonnes of plastics are dumped into the sea, and by 2050, we predict that plastic will outweigh fish in the ocean. Now, they're terrifying statistics, so we decided to dedicate our November issue to the environment, sustainability, and importantly, celebrating those celebrities, designers, scientists, and activists who are fighting to save our seas. Now, today we've invited two of these amazing women to join us, designer Kit Willow of ethical fashion brand Kit X and teenage activist Sophia Kaparis to talk about what they've been doing to bring about change, but also how we can all help too. Now, this episode is hosted by Murray Claire Deputy Editor Mel Gordon, who's especially passionate about this topic, as we all are on Murray Claire. So be prepared to be inspired. Kit Willow is a celebrated fashion designer, a mother of two, and an absolute champion of sustainable fashion. Through her label Kit X, she's devoted to finding new fabrics, new materials, new methods for creating her beautiful, sophisticated designs, and she's the shining light in Australia's growing ethical fashion industry. She's in her car on the way to the office. Thanks so much for joining us today, Kit. Hello. Thank you for having me. Would you say that you've got a lot, had a long-standing passion for nature? How how can you not have a, a passion for nature? That I don't understand. <laughs> I mean, I think about like you know, growing up in Australia, we all have great memories of growing up at beaches or waterways, or you know, um, um, or in the bush around Australia. Was this your family's experience too when you were little? Yeah, well, I grew up in Melbourne, but going away on weekends, uh, I think the beauty of nature. I've just always constantly been in awe of, as have, you know, my my mum. And I suppose just, um, you know, sometimes you just, I remember as a child looking out to like a beautiful sunset or the ocean and just going, oh, my God, that is so great. <laughs> <laughs> or like a flower or a beautiful bird. It's like the, the beauty in nature is just always inspiring, I find. No, you're right. What about um, have, what about in terms of oceans? I think your grandparent lived up on Port Douglas, yeah? They had a place there that we would visit. We would all go every September to um, the Great Barrier Reef and snorkel with a with a boat called Wavelength, and they'd take us out to um, the furthest out reefs. And I, I had oh, wow. this memory as a child, being able to sort of go into this magical underworld um, for hours at yeah. a time. And have you taken your own kids back there? I have. I did. We just went last year. Oh, how'd that go? Oh, it was great to see the reef completely dead. Oh, really? Yep. Oh my god! Yep. Did you? So the, like, could you hear that? But then I don't think you. No, you don't believe to it. See. I know. I agree no, with you. No, you just don't believe it. You don't believe it because I, you know, I kept hearing, "Oh, ninety percent in far north Queensland of the coral reef is dead." I just yeah. thought there's no, 
it just can't be all dead. It just can't be like all that life and that color. And then um, I, I took the kids out. It was the most beautiful day yeah. in Port Douglas. So we went on the wavelength and we went out to the furthest reef, which is called Opal Reef. It's the, the, the reef that as a child I used to go out to when the weather was like perfect and it was always like, I don't know, we could only go maybe once every two years. Yeah. And we went out there and I was just so excited because I was saying to the kids, this is like the, the stellar day to get to the Opal Reef. You know, this is going to be so beautiful. And um, we got out there and I spoke to the guys on the boat before we went out and they said that the whole top of the reef is dead oh. and that now they only snorkel around the the wall, the reef wall, because that's where the cool currents are and that's the only place where the colour is. And the life is. And I still didn't believe it. Yeah, no, you just don't, do you? I still didn't believe it. Yeah. And then we we went um, out and sure enough, the whole top surface, the entire top surface of the reef was white. And I was holding my daughter's hand. My son was asleep on the boat. And we just kept going further and further out. And I yeah. could hardly breathe in the snorkel. It was like <laughs> just this... Sort of, it was like a graveyard. Oh my god! The whole, the whole top surface, the yeah. flat part of the reef, the whole top is white. And then, and so then I looked up, and I looked back, and all I could see were these sort of clusters of people around the edge of the reef. Yeah. And that's the only part that you can see color. How did you um? How did you feel seeing that, especially oh, having seen like, it when you were a kid? You know. No, once again, it's just that thing of like, okay, ring the siren. This yeah. is an emergency. This is a climate emergency. It was so sad. I actually, I grieved. So can like you've obviously had. Well, you've, you've actually been dubbed the comeback queen, really, after relaunching your new label as Kid X in 2015. Can you just like, talk a bit about your original concept for Kid X and how important is the sustainability side of it? Yeah, I mean, the sustainability side is core to the DNA of the brand. It has been interwoven from its inception, from the first idea of creating it. So mm. I suppose it was a moment in which I was aware of what was going on with um, the owners of Willow. Yeah. Um, well, my not the owners, my partners, my equity business partners at the time. And I met this man called Jochen Zeitz the chairman of sustainability at at the Curring Group. He invented the environmental P&L for Puma. He was the youngest ever CEO in history and most successful. Right. Um, and he, yeah, so he was the first person to invent this environmental P&L at Puma. And I asked him, what was the greatest expense in the P&L? Yeah. So you've got revenue and you've got, cost and at the end you're either unprofitable on the planet which pretty much every business would have to be but it depends on the depth of um destruction i suppose um or demand on resources um and he said that the greatest impact that fashion has on the planet comes from materials and i had no idea and you know having had my own label willow and being 
extremely aware of, you know, the environment and, you know, working with artisans, yes, but also looking at ways to have less impact through packaging and things like that. I never, ever realised materials. I never thought about it. I didn't know it. There was no awareness. Yeah. Um, And so it was just this sort of light bulb moment and then sure enough, um, everything kind of transpired with my equity partners as I had feared and then after that it was sort of like what I need to do next has to be win-win. I want the planet to win. Yeah. I want the people making it to win. I want the customers to win. I want the staff to win. I want the business to win. And every decision that we make, I make and the business makes has to be with the idea of win-win. That's yep. extraordinary, isn't it, that you had that conversation yep. just then? I know, huge sort of, you know, those moments in life. Yeah. It was like, yeah, it, it was very clear to me what needed to be done. And I spent, you know, a year researching uh, about the impact that materials have. And very quickly in the first sort of three weeks, I was like, right, okay, here we go. My yeah. God, it all, it all kind of exists on the <laughs> online when you dig a bit deeper and I couldn't believe what was I, what I was uncovering and it was just extremely exciting actually because I thought no one is doing this. <laughs> but kid it's kind of like it's overwhelming too isn't it like when you first start researching and hearing about the impact that fashion has on the planet it can can either go one way of oh my god this is way too big I'm gonna you know I'm chucking the game away kind of thing or you can go down another path of well what can what can we do to make this sustainable and I feel that you took the path you know less less chosen really definitely took that path because I it's one of those things the more you know the more you know you you can't undo and therefore You'd have to almost, it's almost negligence not to do something about it in my mind. It's like someone saying you're feeding that child, you know, a food that's going to make it extremely sick. Do you continue feeding that child that bad food or do you actually go to great efforts to find something that's going to make that child thrive? You know, that's right. Yeah. And and it's that. And it's that with the planet. You know, it's like, you know, that same... um, time that we went to Port Douglas before I left for Paris I went to Heron Island and listened to all these scientists um, kind of give a health check on the planet oh yeah Um, and it was called the Climate Council um, headed up by Tim Flannery an amazing leading global scientist and they were I mean, it was. I, I can't ever undo the knowledge that they shared, and it just comes out every single day. Every article I read, um, it just keeps reinforcing everything, and it's really surfacing now. And that is that we're just emitting way too much carbon dioxide into the atmosphere. You know the what? I, you know what? You know what? Like, I'm encouraged by really is because, like people like you, there's also a whole heap of other people who are instead of being daunted by that horrific knowledge that's you know um that I think is just wait it's almost the weight of it is too big for for a lot of people to consume so what I'm excited by is the fact that there's all these people who are actually looking for looking for new ways to do things and I mean you must be blown away by the innovation that you see I don't know how the heck you find (laughs) these things that you do I mean your piece your pieces include material from like upcycled fishing nets plastic litter from the sea like a whole heap of things how on earth I mean that 
uh, that seems to me to be like um, a full-time job. But you must be really inspired by those people and those kind of artisans that you come across as well. Oh, there's so many solutions and there's so many opportunities for solutions. And there's just no excuse. Simple things like I went to a restaurant last night and they served my margarita with a plastic straw. And I was like, guys. Yeah, I will never come back here again, number one, because anywhere, anywhere on earth (laughs) still is buying plastic straws. There, There is no excuse because now. And they say, oh, but everyone complains about the cardboard ones. But you can actually get straws now that are, like, they feel as hard as plastic, but they're completely compostable. They're made from plant-based material. Yeah. So, every, yeah. you know, most places in London now have that. And there is kind of no excuse. And there's there are so many opportunities also to create solutions on every level um, into the future about how we're dealing with waste and about, Almost all future materials have to come from the past. You know, they have to come from rubbish. Yeah. We should be circulating everything. Like, I love the fact that by you taking this other path, you've now stumbled across other people who you wouldn't have found if you'd stayed on the path you were on before. Do you know what I mean by that? Like, that must be inspiring to you, is it? Oh, God, yeah. It's purpose. It's like, because, you know, I love creativity. I love fashion, love, you know, developing fashion and a brand and you know that was always so inspiring but at the end of the day to be able to create with purpose Mm. beyond making women look and feel beautiful um is to me the reason why i the blood sweat and tears you know justifies everything do you want women to like embrace the sustainable side of your fashion like are they embracing it or are they do you know yeah i mean it's interesting i think that um when i started kid x i thought i'm not going to preach i'm going to you know educate but i also want to create you know really strong fashion that they love to wear and wear a lot and you know connect with it emotionally and that it was more that kind of feeling um and then with the strong real authentic undercurrent that is um, that it is consciously sourced materials yes. to minimise the impact on the planet. So that's my job. I'll do that part. You connect with it, love it, do what you need to. But whether or not you know it is or you don't or you want to dig a bit deeper and find out, it doesn't really matter. Yeah, do you know what I mean? It's like, sure. okay, I'm not going to – I'm only targeting people who buy organic carrots, you know. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's not really about that. <laughs> yeah. But even um, that, like, yeah. I find it funny how, I mean, you, you know, how much um, the idea of sustainable fashion has changed over the years. Like, for years, it was just, it was just considered well, that's right. hemp clothing in hippie shops, like, really. Yeah, yeah, which is counter, you know, it's counterproductive in a way. Um, yeah. Because you're creating clothes that are undesirable. and That's right. You know, and so I was like, right, I need to create, I, you know, apply the design side to, with the conscious sourcing side. I just don't see how... It can't work, or you know how it can. Why would it compromise the actual end styling? Yeah, and 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 you must be getting feedback about that by the sheer fact that your clothes are selling. <laughs> That's pretty good feedback. Well, and it certainly doesn't compromise the desirability. I think that that is key, and 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 what has been so encouraging is just, which I didn't see coming so quickly. I knew it would happen, but I just didn't think it would happen so fast. Is the uptake globally on this whole sustainable fashion interest. Yeah. 
I know it's kind yeah. of like it's, it's like it's jumped the shark. Hey, it's kind of um, it went from going slowly, slowly to all of a sudden like just going on the vertical. Don't you reckon? It's and it's just the beginning. Like it did, yeah, the latest trip. I was just I was everyone. Everyone is sort of yeah. yeah on it, talking about it. Every department store, every online, they're trying to work out how to do the edit and what how to, what to do and what For the sure. product is and how to make it work and. So it's all really happening starting to now, which is really good. So what's one practical thing people can do to help the environment? The most simple one to do and understand is not to buy um, virgin polyester or virgin nylon and nothing that even has that as a mix in, in the product. If it's upcycled, it's okay, but if it's virgin it releases nitrous oxide in its creation, which accelerates climate change. Right. So that is one, as well as virgin plastic, you know. I mean, everywhere I go, I just do everything I can not to not to, to avoid, you know, single-use plastic. Yeah, yeah. And, and nylon and polyester is basically plastic. Yeah. But that's a really simple one, you know, as a, as a, as a do not because – when it's created, it gives off nitrous oxide. When you wash it, it gives off tiny particles that go into marine life. And then when you discard it, if ever, it never breaks down. Oh. And it ferments and releases gas, toxic gases into the atmosphere. Yeah. It's kind of a lose-lose the whole way. Yeah, no, that sounds horrific. <laughs> that was a very good do not. So just as a final kid, what about, what's your message to um, eco-conscious fashion lovers? Do you think that... Um, the future is looking good for them? I don't know that the future just yet is looking good for anyone right now. I'm not saying, okay, go go out and buy a Hessian sack when you don't want to because that's really environmental. You know, yeah. it's not about that. You can still look very chic and have beautiful, luxurious pieces that fit beautifully and make you feel good, but just buy less and buy better and wear more. said it before and I'll say it again, nothing can beat the determination of a teenage girl who is passionate about something. I wouldn't stand in their way and we're seeing it played out across the globe. Here in Australia, there are many young girls with big, real dreams to save the planet and we have one of them with us today. Sophia Scaparis is a 16-year-old schoolgirl who started a petition to ban single-use plastic bags in New South Wales. Welcome, Sophia. Hi, everyone. <laughs> so, um, well, let's just get straight into it. Um, so, Sophia, so where did your passion for the environment come from? So, my passion started at school when we started to get educated about the problem. And then from that education, I started to realise it in my own life. And from a really privileged background, you don't get to see the problem. Mm. So, when once I started to get, to get educated about the problem, I could see it everywhere. Yeah. So, once I started to see it on the soccer fields... I knew. You're a soccer player, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I knew from that moment, like, I had to make a difference. And what were you seeing? Like, there was just, like, discarded rubbish, that yeah, kind of so stuff. Yeah, so everywhere I looked, there was plastic and rubbish. Mm. And th- from that point on, I was, it made me feel really stressed. And soccer is my favourite sport. I love it so much because it allows me to be in the moment. And then from the reason why, like, when I saw the plastic, I could no longer be in the moment. And so what did you – so from that – I think you started the petition, is mm. that right? Yeah, so in your tenure to do your own personal project right and you can do it on whatever topic you like. And because I saw the issue of plastic pollution in my soccer fields, I knew that I wanted to make a difference from that. So I thought the best way to do that was to get government action on this issue and create legislation. So 
that's why I started the petition to ban single-use and heavy retail plastic bags. Wow, like that's quite a big step to go from I want to clean up the soccer field <laughs> to, to now I'm going to start a petition and I'm going to change absolutely everything. Like well, what was the idea behind behind your head that made you think, no, we actually need to change legislation? Well, I thought that was the only way to make a difference was through the government, but now I've learned there are three ways you can make a difference. Government, individual action and through the community and like and through companies as well. But I thought that... I thought the only way we could make a difference was through the government and that's why I started the petition. Was there like a number that you needed to get? Yeah, so I needed to get 10,000 but at the start of my journey I was like, okay, I'm going to get 1,000, I'm going to complete my assessment, like I'm all done and dusted. But then I once I started to notice that there was a growing emphasis on this plastic pollution problem and, and that there were so many people out there that were supporting me, I was like... So you got like you found it quite easy to get yeah, signatures, I, yeah. I the first day I started collecting signatures, I got one thousand. Yeah, and how did how did you do that? Like, were you kind of like out at shopping centres and asking for signatures? Yeah, so I, seven thousand of them from for school students because I know that my generation are the ones that are going to be impacted by these decisions. So I wanted them to be part of this solution in terms of banning single use plastics. Fantastic. And so I contacted the environmental leaders of their schools. Mm-hmm. And then they were so – they jumped on board. They collect, Most schools collect around 200 signatures. And then I got the rest of them from the community. So I went Fantastic. to um, screenings of plastic-free movies. I went to farmer's markets. And, like, I thought when I went out to, like, the, the wider community that, that no one would sign. But, yeah. but I guess seeing someone that – from the younger generation they're going to be impacted by the decisions made today they were really enthusiastic and they kind of like felt sorry for me because their decisions <laughs> had were going to impact my future yeah 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 that's um that's amazing that they well they could obviously see in you that you had some you know you had a whole heap of passion and they actually wanted to support you in that cause so what actually ended up happening with the petition what where did it end up so it ended up being announced in parliament where it was discussed but however um the current government said that they didn't. They didn't. They just said, like, we don't want to take. This is the current steps. government in New yeah. South Wales. Yeah. yeah. So they said they don't want to take any f- further steps. We're already doing enough. We've got return and earn, which is completely ludicrous. Like we're doing the bare minimum. Mm. And then so Labor, they said that they would love to this to be a bipartisan issue, which I completely agree. It shouldn't be left or right. It should be something that everyone. Yeah. Everyone takes the steps forward into reducing plastic pollution. Because if we don't, it's going to affect not only like liberal or labour people, it's going to affect everyone. This is That's a human right. issue. No, it doesn't matter, yeah. does it, where, where, where you are or where you sit on the yeah, political exactly. scale. What, so where is the legislation currently at? Do you know? So I know that um, in the Senate they've agreed to ban plastic, of uh, single-use plastics. However, um, from that there hasn't really been anything However, I met with um, the New South Wales Minister for Environment and Energy uh-huh. and that was the first time I've sat down with a politician because I've met like multiple multi- politicians throughout this journey and that was the first time I left that room hopeful for the future. <laughs> <laughs> I'm laughing because I'm like, you would have met so many politicians on this journey and for you to only meet one where you actually left with a feeling of hope is yeah. just appalling, quite <laughs> frankly, but at the same time. So what has been your, your, um, what has been your thoughts about, um, about politicians and, and the government? 
I don't want to sound rude or anything, but <laughs> watching my petition being tabled in Parliament, it was just like children in a playground that was screaming <laughs> and yelling. And I was like, oh, my gosh. Before this, I was like, oh, I'm going to come become a politician. I'm going to get out there. I'm going to change legislation. I'm going to do it myself if, then, if the people who are currently in government aren't going to do it. However, after watching that, I was like, oh, I don't think this is for me. <laughs> I want to be in a community where people are supportive, not screaming at each other for doing, like, for doing crazy stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so what was the difference? So now, now because I know that your focus has kind of shifted to this wider mm-hmm. philosophy around um, actually introducing a plastic policy in New South Wales. Yeah. First of all, what what the heck is a plastic policy? <laughs> <laughs> what is it? And, and, what, and then and where is it at? So that's the same for me. I was like, I don't know what a plastic policy <laughs> was because it kind of just incorporates everything. It incorporates legislation, talking to um, companies, trying to make them do the right thing. Because as an individual, you can make a huge difference, but the companies are the ones that are producing this problem and then we're the ones consuming from it. So the plastic policy would be to include legislation to ban Mm single-use plastic items. So I want to just not single-use plastic bags. I want to have an umbrella of all single-use plastics. Mm -hmm. And then from that, it would be to refuse, reduce and recycle plastics Mm -hmm. and also have a waste management system. Because as we know, like New South Wales is horrible with their waste management. Yeah. And so where so where are you at in terms of this um the plastic policy? So only at the start at this right. point in time. However, like hopefully when I leave school I'll be able to have to spend more time on it. But um Matt Keane, the environmental minister, wants me to be part of this creation of the plastic policy, which I'm am flattered and honestly like just overwhelmed I guess because I like yeah. when you start something and you I guess I thought that no one would want to be part of this and it's really great to see people jumping on board and taking steps to reduce their environmental impacts. Like after all, I've done a couple of environmental talks and to see like the audience coming up to me and telling them, telling me what they want to do. So one lady was telling me about her gym class. They give out single-use plastic bottles every single time she has gym. Yeah. And so she was like to me, you inspired me to go back to the gym Aww. and tell them we don't want any more single-use plastics. We're going to bring our own bottles. How fantastic. Yeah, it's really How great. How good did that make you feel? That's the best part. That's the best part, <laughs> seeing people wanting to do the exact same thing as me. Yeah, no, you're 100% right because it's um, – and you don't even realise um, – you don't even realise that that's, that's a healthy – an unexpected byproduct of what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Like you don't, you just think, oh no, I'm here to help the environment, and everything like that. But actually, what it does for you personally and mm-hmm. how it makes you feel about yourself, like I feel that that's probably been a bit of a surprise packet for you. Yeah, definitely. Like I think I found my purpose in life, which is to educate people. And because we live on such a beautiful planet, and I like honestly like seeing our planet destroyed because of us mm. is the most horrible thing that I've ever experienced. And now to see, like, my steps are having, like, visible impacts, it's honestly amazing. Like, yeah. I, like, I, I don't have words to describe it. When you had the meeting with the Environment Minister, what was the difference? Like, why did you leave there with hope? Because he was so enthusiastic about this. And, like, he, through other politicians, they kind of just listen. They go, yep. Yeah. Yep, sounds good. Yep. But he was, we were bouncing off each other with ideas of how we can create a better future. Fantastic. And um, I know one of the things you said before that you've realised actually that there's this kind of like three pronged approach now, like Mm -hmm. that it's not just at government level, but it's also at community and individual level. And so what are are some of the things um, that you're doing in in your own like communities? So within my own community, which was my church, my school, and also my sporting community is 
like a range of different things. There's so much going on sometimes that I'm like, have to like kind of step back and take a breath. <laughs> but within my school community, where next term we'll have new bins, which uh-huh. I'm really excited about, <laughs> there will be no more rubbish going to landfill anymore. And we also made our school canteen single use plastic free, and we've switched that out now to like compostable plastic options which is not made from crude oil it's made from plant-based mm-hmm. materials mm-hmm. and we've got solar panels and then also just educating the school community which is the most important thing because there's 1,100 1, girls and then as they leave school and yep. tell their parents then they've got a wider community within with like yeah, yeah, you're reaching more and more people. Exactly. Despite, yes, and then within my soccer community, we came up with an environmental charter, and then now we have a waste management system. So we have recycling right, yeah. now at the soccer fields, and we're encouraging uh, soccer uh, soccer players to bring like their own drink bottle instead of buying single-use plastics. And our canteen is now going to become single-use plastic-free. And we've also got other stuff along the way. So you're going into HSC year? Like yeah, really so next term. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so have you got any thoughts about what you want to do post-school? Um, so I'm currently doing chemistry and I really, really like it. So I think I might do environmental science or environmental law when I leave and then use that to um, be an activist about this issue of plastic pollution. So is this all going to be put on the back burner while you're doing your HSC? No, definitely not. This is something for me that is some... Well, we... It's it's not going to be because the issue of plastic pollution and climate change isn't going to go away. Mm. And the longer I make... I wait to make a difference is time ticking, where... Mm. Time is not on our sides and for me this is something that I like is my passion. So while I'm resting or something, I'll be working on something. Like today I was creating a little video for my Instagram. So my spare time will be spent on on sure. environment. Thank you so much, Thank gorgeous you. Sophia. Thank and you so good much luck with me. everything for the future. I know that we will continue to hear your name. <laughs> um, and thanks so much for being with us today. Thank you so much for having me. For more pics and stories on Kit and Sophia, plus all the other amazing women fighting to save our planet, pick up the November issue of Marie Claire. Thanks so much for listening today. We appreciate it. And please rate and review as we really value your feedback. And don't forget to subscribe to Finding Fearless with Marie Claire so you don't miss an episode. We'll catch you next time.